I'm Dean Jackson. He's Joe Polish. And this is the I Love Marketing Podcast. It's Dean Jackson. And it's me, Joe Polish. Joe Polish. Again. You got it. Well. All right. Here we are again. mm Mm-hmm. Like we have to keep doing this every week over (laughs) and over and over again. It's like a job or something. It is. No, you got all these people out there that listen to this now, you know, and you you got to on some days. Like, why did we ever start this, right? Because can you now believe, no, but people. listen, can you imagine, so here we are, this is episode 79 right now, this week, that we're doing. Yeah. And can you imagine that, you know, we, we've done this 79 weeks in a row without missing a single week. Right. Imagine if these were in dog years. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, not missing a week. I mean, and are people appreciative? Do they send us money and gifts? Some of them do. Sometimes, but yeah. The vast majority. Nope. They just take our ideas. They make themselves a bunch of money. I mean, even this week, like we got, like one person sent me a message. They doubled their business since they've been listening. I love marketing. Wow. Another person just started listening to it, made 2500 bucks first week. Yeah, isn't that great? I see those all the time. You know, it's like, and uh, yeah. So here we are. One more week of this silliness. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, you and I kind of talked a little bit before uh, this episode because there's something that we've been kind of talking about and we, we reference it a couple of times, but it really, uh, a lot of people would be interested to know that, you know, in addition to getting together and talking on these uh, calls once a week for, for 79 weeks in a row here. We, ca- we talk quite a bit, actually, even in between this stuff. And one of the things that we always do, we talk more, about... More than, some, more than some marriages, probably. I mean, it's probably true. You're right. Uh, yeah. That, you know, one of the things that we always talk about is this notion of debunking the theory that that execution is more valuable than ideas. Right. Because, you know, we, we've talked about how that's always the sort of um, standard answer for most people who are sort of operationally centric, that their their thought is, well, you know, an idea that's not executed is useless. So execution is really the most important thing. Ideas are a dime a dozen. And that's the kind of, of thoughts that people have. and Yeah, that's what most people run around talking about. And, and, well, there's also the other types, too, that think ideas just in and of themselves are, you know. The most uh, valuable the thing, yeah. Thing. Well, 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 no, but, you know, there's a lot of people that will come up with ideas. I mean, I've even had people that have, like, literally asked me to, like, sign non-disclosures and NDAs, you know. And... You know, and I'm like, well, first off, you know, I'm not going to sign that because that's not what I do. Usually, you know, if there's any sort of uh, unique proprietary idea, I'm usually the one coming up with it, not other people. Mm-hmm. But that being said, you know, then I'll hear some of the, the ideas and I'm like, 
Oh, wow. Really? Like that's it. That's your big idea. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, going back to what you're saying. Yeah. Keep going. That I'm, I'm right. I'm right here with you. We're, on the same we're right on the same page that, and I'll give you that too, that, that it is absolutely true that ideas without execution are in fact useless. They really are. But if you acknowledge that and you say that, well, then execution really is a, a powerful thing. And let's say that you can actually measure flawless execution. Let's even say that, that somebody is executing an idea at the very highest level. They're executing it perfectly. There's no way that they could execute this idea better. That is a knowable thing. Now, the only thing that can improve flawless execution is flawless execution of a better idea. Right. And, you know, you see it all the time. What are, you know, even if you think about movies, for instance, you know, the mechanics of making a movie. I mean, you can go through and somebody can, can, you know, act the hell out of the script and they can, you know, the, the director can, you know, have incredible cinematography. They can have all of this, but you know, the, the truth is that you can flawlessly execute the production of a movie, but the better idea is going to be the better movie. Right. Right. And so it's really, I think that the, the point of this is to really, revere the importance of having ideas and seeking out ideas and looking to improve the ideas that you do have as a constant quest as an entrepreneur. Yeah, because the time that you're actually going to change course is when you, or change your mind or change your paradigm or change your religion (laughs) is when you hear a better idea. Yeah. Something that just makes sense. Something that, you know, just is, is going to, you know, be a whole new, it's like putting on a new set of glasses when you have ones that really aren't correcting your vision Mm -hmm. and an idea, you know, is like putting on a new pair of glasses Mm -hmm. or taking a pair off because a lot of times, you know, people are looking through just the wrong lens. Mm -hmm. And if they look through the lens of execution all the time and they're so gung-ho about execution, 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 you know, it's kind of like the only thing worse than singing the wrong note is singing it louder. (laughs) Right, exactly. And with enthusiasm. Yeah, I mean, you could sing sing that wrong note in perfect pitch for that note, but it's wrong. (laughs) Right. You know, like the (laughs) one that, you know, the most expensive information in the world is bad information. Yeah. I mean, you could be reading at a very high speed. You could be in the perfect environment. You can be totally focused, and you could, you know, be reading the exact wrong, useless thing, uh, or mediocre stuff, or you know, doing something that's. And, and a great thing about that too is that this this applies to not just business. This applies to your whole life. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you know, what are the things that we execute every day? We wake up. How do we wake up? Is there is there a better idea on how to wake up? Is there mm-hmm. a better way on how to brush your teeth? Is there a better way to drive to work? Is there a better way to work at home? I mean, is there a better way to cook breakfast? Is there a better way to eat raw food? You know, I mean, whatever. Yeah. It's like how you execute, you know, constantly finding 
better ideas. And it seems is, to me that you know improvements in execution are really going to be responsible for incremental gains. Like it doesn't seem like you can exponentially better execute something. Does it? I mean, right. I'm, 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 this is the first time I'm saying this, so let's talk it out. Yeah, yeah, but, and I mean, it, it, unless, of course, you use multiplying technology or multiplying right. individuals. You know, I mean, for instance, uh, I can execute a phone call and make a connection, but there are certain, the idea of who would be the best person to call, mm-hmm. what would be the best person to ask, You know, all of those things come from the idea. They come from the brain. They come from the resourcefulness. They don't come from the activity of picking up a phone call, you know, or texting someone or emailing someone or whatever. It has to do with the ideas built around it. So, you know, what's funny, here's a perfect example of it. Today, I was recording um, an audio for the Breakthrough Blueprint program and was talking about selecting a single target market. And one of the examples that I gave, I actually showed a worksheet in the workbook that compared to um, target markets. I was talking about executing a, a postcard campaign and comparing um, two different markets. We could choose to mail to uh, lakefront homeowners, which was you know had, uh, if we say, 2,000 homeowners, and they had... 80 of them sold in the last 12 months and they on average are $340,000, which means a $10,000 selling commission. That means that at the end of the year, there's an $800,000 potential yield from those 2000 lakefront homes. Now, if I compare that to mailing to condos, which there's twice as much turnover in the condos, but the average price is $40,000 and the average commission is only $1,200. So there is a, uh, you know, a total yield on all, you know, double the transactions. The total yield is only, was only $192,000 potential. So when you look at it, you could flawlessly execute a postcard campaign to you know each of those lists and one of them has the potential to be you know has a four or five times greater yield what it just makes sense mailing to the lakefront homes is a better idea yes exactly yeah so and having that kind of information you know looking through um looking for uh everything you know putting a better offer on a postcard is an idea putting, um, you know, having a better strategy of instead of trying to, you know, convince somebody to, to do business with you, um, through a postcard, it's a better idea to get them to just raise their hand and offer them something that's completely just valuable to them, you know, without any, any expectation or, or, implication that you've got any commercial intent. You know, we talked about that whole uh, offering cheese instead of whiskers, you know? Yeah, no, we had a whole conversation mm-hmm. yesterday about an offer. And, and, and here's here's what's actually kind of 
funny uh, about this too, just to give people sort of a, a look into the lives of marketers like me and you and how we actually make decisions. Now, you know, I'm, I'm running ads in success magazine right now. And we're, you know, every bit of effectiveness from that always comes out of the ideas for, you know, picking a better headline, picking a better offer. I mean, everything layout, verbiage, copy, conversion, you know, videos. I mean, you know, all kinds of stuff on there. And I was, you know, going over, um, a, campaign that I was, you know, running and have ran for many, many years. And I call up Dean and, you know, thinking I kind of know the best offer. And you pointed out to me because you're not in my, my forest, you're on the outside for in that particular case. And you basically said, you know, what you're doing here, Joe, is you're not offering cheese, you know, and this is something I know inside and out, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of get the whole thing and, but I still, uh, I, you gave me a better idea mm-hmm. and that in part of it is why you never, never, never want to put yourself in a position where you think you're too cool for school or you think <laughs> right. you got it or you think it can't be improved or there is no better idea. And, and, and see where people I think get screwed up a bit is they'll take the whole concept of good enough and they'll keep it there forever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. good enough is good to, to ship. It's good to launch. It's good to get you going. But like our friend Brian Kurtz at Boardroom, you know, they have a sign on the wall that says uh, the control is the enemy. Mm-hmm. And what that means is that the control piece, the marketing lingo, that's for like a, a direct mail letter or a video or a teleseminar or an offer. I mean, the control is the current working marketing, you know, pitch mm-hmm. that's being delivered in a certain way that is getting the best results, you know? So like if they're going to hire copywriters to beat, a sales letter for a subscription offer, as an example, they, all these copywriters are looking at the current piece. Yeah. They're they're trying trying to beat the control, right? Trying to beat the control. Right. And so the control is the enemy. And so, you know, that's another way of saying, give us a better idea. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what it is because ultimately, I mean, you're right. Direct mail is, is the perfect example for this, you know, because direct mail, you can flawlessly execute a direct mail campaign, I mean, at its essence, you're mailing four sheets of paper in an envelope with a stamp to an address. That's flawless execution. But what could you, what you put on the pieces of paper and the names that you mail it to are the idea. That's the better idea. Yep, exactly. Exactly. So, um, how would it best serve people listening to really, I mean, they've kind of, you know, we can beat a dead horse here, but it's, this is not a dead horse. This is something that people forget continuously. And there's, there's a lot of people that will fight against the value of ideas in the, in the problem. And what I mean by that is fight against it is they poo poo it mm. or they think, you know, execution really is the most important thing. And, and, See, we're not saying execution is not important. We're saying that if you want to really dramatically improve what you're doing and you're really, you've got your execution, just give yourself a better idea. Mm-hmm. Because if you can keep topping your behavior with better ideas, it's just the results you will produce is infinitely, you know, infinitely better. And so this is, 
you know, we, we kind of live in a culture, I think in a lot of ways where people just believe that certain things are important and other things are not. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the best way to create a paradigm shift is to have every one of the listeners of I love marketing really understanding that the, it's like Gary Halbert would say the difference between being rich and being broke is could be one good sales letter. Mm-hmm. And the difference between being rich and being broke could be the right elegant idea. Properly well, executed. it really is. It's, I mean, and you know, we, we talk about it all the time. How many times have we quoted Peter Drucker that his, uh, you know, assertion that the only things that matter in business are marketing and innovation and everything else yeah. is an expense. Yeah, yeah, and but, and uh, that that's yeah, absolutely that, true. That execution is on the expense side of the equation, right? Yeah, right. And see, in another way, I look at this in terms of ideas. Just so you know, it's clear is that a better idea in some cases may not be doing it at all. That's you know, exactly right. Is to down. spend your time. A better idea may be to forget that one and, and allocate that extra time and money to doing something else completely. Yeah. Like, I mean, a lot of people will spend their entire lives playing a game that was never designed for them to win. Mm-hmm. And, and they don't have the skills or they're not placing that, you know, a better idea is taking your strengths and putting them where it matters, not trying to improve your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. No matter how much you can execute it or learn a technique, if you're always coming in last, you're always losing most of the time. Let's, you know, you know what would be good. Idea. I mean, this is kind of, um, you know, I, I, we don't have a preconceived idea of where this call is going. So what I think would be good is, let's maybe look at some of the experiences that we've each had where a better idea made a dramatic difference. I mean, can you think of, of a couple of things where um, you may have, you know, shared an idea with somebody that made a, that made a, a big difference? I can probably think of about a million. Of them, okay. So what, what, think about your, think about one that, that really jumps out at you. And what I did for other people or what I did for myself? Either one. Either for you okay, or well, for let, other people. Okay. I'll, I'll do a couple. I'll do, yeah. let's, and I'll keep it in the field of marketing, although I can, you can probably ask me about any area of life. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, in, in the field of marketing, when I first, you know, started my carpet cleaning business, I didn't have any clue on how to communicate. So I got business cards printed that said, you know, superior carpet cleaning because that was my company at the time. And then I ended up changing the name to FiberTech, mm-hmm. which is a much cooler name, but the <coughs> name had very little to do with it. And, um, I was, you know, running, uh, putting out flyers that said, you know, two rooms in a hall, thirty nine ninety five, And on one, I even put, we will beat any advertised price, not realizing. And this was when I was very young, you know, in my early twenties trying to run this carpet cleaning business. And I was running it, and, and I did a great job of delivering a cleaning service. But boy, did I work my ass off for nothing! Um, I wasn't—I was going broke, and you know, I, I didn't realize that people um, that were advertising—you know, five ninety-five a room, six ninety-five a room—were actually bait and switch companies mm. that really had no intention of honoring that price unless 
the consumer just wouldn't budge at all. So it was a it was a bait and switch tactic, and so I'm running. You know, low price. I wasn't doing bait and switch. I was just running two rooms in the hall for thirty nine ninety five, and that's what I'd actually clean for. Um, <laughs> and so, a better idea was using a headline. A better idea was a free room of carpet cleaning and a carpet audit. Right. A better idea was creating a, a a better sense of urgency that wasn't based around price. Right. And so, but I didn't know that at the time. So it's 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 the thing that me and you, which it was funny that we would both use the same analogy, but just in different ways that the difference between a $1 bill and a hundred dollar bills, the message on the paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was, was, that was funny because I remember, uh, either, either you came to uh, a main event where I, you know, cause I've, I've always been doing that and, or I came to one of your events and it was, the, one, it was like one of us had ripped the other off. No, no, no. What what it was, I remember that, like, I came to a main event, and uh, main event is the thing you were doing with Joe Stump mm-hmm. for the real estate industry years ago, one, I, don't, I don't know, one of your first ones, and I had always been making the analogy of that, um, you know, advertising is like real estate. I mean, it's like what you, you can have an acre, and you can build a mansion on the acre, you can put a, you know, a, a crummy trailer that's all rusty and falling apart. I mean... It's the same acreage, but it's what you put on top of it that has a lot to do with the value, right? And so it's not just location. It's what you put on the location. And so I always thought of advertising as like real estate. I mean, what do you want to build on the website now? You know, back then it was paper and ink, you know, so paper's expensive, ink's cheap. So put the best copy you can, make the best offer, that sort of thing. So I would always use the analogy of, you know, what's the difference between a $1 bill and a $100 bill? It's the message. Paper's the same. Ink's the same. The only difference is, is, is the message. Mm-hmm. And one message is worth 100 times more than another message. So I went to, you know, and you were basically saying the same thing, but you had a picture of you. Uh, like you had a $1 bill, and I think then there was a, was a PowerPoint presentation. Then there was a picture of you with your, your face imposed on, I think, the $100 bill. Right, yeah. And you were talking about that, and I was like, oh, my God. I mean, there's, like, so much similarity. What, what's funny is I think that was one of the first times we actually really realized just how aligned our thinking was right, and how yeah. we saw things the same way. But I actually asked you if I could take your presentation. Oh, that's what it because, was. Cause then you actually took the whole, the PowerPoints, right? Yeah. I took the whole PowerPoint because right. it was, it was just organized. Now see, like that, that, that's a perfect example of a better idea. I saw you delivering things that were very effectively communicated in a completely different industry. Now a stupid idea, which people would do, which we recently had to ask some one like who was you know listening to I love marketing and even came to an I love marketing meetup group and read the eight profit activators and then went and created a video uh, in a specific industry I won't say the industry just not to embarrass the guy because he's completely apologized and I think felt like a jackass for doing this but he went out and taught the eight profit activators verbatim the way that you know, we talk about them, write about them, but he never gave any credit to I love marketing or mentioning you or mentioning me or anything, just, you know, which is a dumb idea. Now, so my idea was like, Dean, hey, I really like this. This really fits I, what you're saying. You know, could I use this in my presentation because I want to improve my presentation? So I built a whole presentation around the way that you organize the explanation of, you know, seven secrets. Right. Yeah. 
And and you even you used know, the same like the the dollar with my uh, with my picture on it. Oh yeah, no, and <laughs> yeah. I would talk about it too. I, yeah. I would even use your ads. No, I mean, heck, it's like yeah. I, I, even when I taught the presentation, I said yeah, I got this from my you know good friend Dean Jackson, who's a marketing expert in this industry. And then I proceeded to deliver a far better, more clear, <laughs> effective, powerful presentation than the one you were doing. So so it's not only a better idea to like me to take the great format that you laid out, but it's a better idea just to do a better presentation than you could possibly do. I got it. So there you, you took better yeah. idea and better execution, really. <laughs> <laughs> Trumped it completely. <laughs> yeah. So that that's one there. So, you know, making a better offer, you know, a better, uh, a better thing would be in my, going back to my carpet cleaning thing, just, you know, changing the ads, um, you know, going from trying to say a lot in an ad to driving people to a free recorded message instead of doing a singular sale, you know, running an ad just to get someone to call you, right. running an ad to generate a lead, to get yeah. someone to raise their hands. And and, 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 and and then you start what Seth Godin started calling permission marketing. You know, it's the funniest thing about that. And, and I think Seth is a brilliant writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he wrote permission marketing. I mean, me and you had been, and then people that read it are like, oh my God, there's this new type of marketing, you know, permission <laughs> yeah, marketing. Right. It's like, we we're doing this 10 years ago. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. I, like the, some of the greatest marketers in the world were doing this in the early 1900s. I mean, it's just like people, <laughs> are you kidding me? Permission marketing. I mean, he just put a name to it, which, of course, is a better idea. I mean, yeah. you, fi- you find what people just don't know anything about, and you articulate it in a way so they begin to understand it. That's great. So go ahead and you give one, and then I'll give you another one, too. Okay. So, you know, and I, I think one of the most dramatic ones is, and I've talked about it um, a little bit, it was the one that really solidified the whole um, cheese and whiskers idea for me was the sending uh, an email to a restaurant owner or, you know, whoever's getting the email at the restaurant. And instead of sending an email that's trying to convince them to spend money on a birthday promotion uh, uh, program to just ask a simple question, do you do birthdays? And right engage people in a dialogue that way. It was just such a dramatically better idea. And the same thing, you know, I I use that with the uh, birthday, uh, with the birthday card that got the, you know, 32% response, um, you know, versus a card that was looked like a a commercial type of card. Um, Just making, I I think Focusing only on somebody's self-interest is you can never go wrong by just giving something to somebody that they're selfishly desiring, you know? Totally agree. <laughs> I'd totally. be interested to see what, what kinds of ideas, uh, you know, if, are there any, like, categories to those kind of ideas, you know? Well, you know, I think the biggest objective in stuff, a lot of what we do here at I Love Marketing and why coming to our conference and doing that stuff and really going deep into this sort of thinking is not just to remember everything we're doing or per se model, you know, oh, just, you know, how, how are we going to think of, about how Joe and Dean do it? But it's like, 
just the thinking in general. I mean, just shifting the way you think about ideas and the importance of them and also identifying what are just, I always have to say, you know, one elegant idea is worth more than a thousand semi-good ideas, which I first got from Gary Halbert. And, you know, I mean, one elegant idea is truly worth more than a thousand semi-good ideas. And that's why fishing for elegant ideas and having the skill of being able to identify them and even think like that, I think gives you such a advantage in life. Cause mm-hmm. when shit hits the fan, if you can, you know, if you have a few great ideas sitting in your arsenal, when plan a fails to work anymore and you can switch to plan B, I mean, that's a, that's a really great thing because of, I mean, a lot of people, I mean, we saw it in the recent, you know, when Google did the big Google slap thing, how many people in the internet marketing business literally went out of business overnight. Mm -hmm. And it's just because they just didn't, you know, they're like one trick ponies. Amen. Yeah. And, Um, you know, yeah, that's kind of like, um, you know, what Jay Abraham would talk about, you know, basing your business on the, on a diving board versus the Parthenon, you know, having one, one idea when it goes wrong, everything falls down when you've got, uh, you know, multiple, uh, multiple streams, that's a more solid foundation. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Like one of the things, another example is, um, Bill Phillips, when I started doing consulting with Bill, uh, late 1996, early 1997, and he had a magazine called Muscle Media 2000 at the time. He ended up dropping the 2000 and just calling it Muscle Media. And he had recently bought um, EAS, Experimental and Applied Sciences, the sports nutrition company, and then built it up into the largest you know, sports nutrition company in the world in a, you know, literally a span of about two years. And he had put together a uh, – and before that happened, uh, I think I was quite instrumental in that – uh, this was before Body uh, Body for Life was even written, um, and I think in a lot of ways the the work that we ended up doing ended up creating the platform and the stage for him to even write Body uh, Body for Life. Mm-hmm. And so basically, um, you know, he had created a documentary that he had spent over a million dollars, really nice video. Um, like an inspirational video about 10 people that had entered a physique transformation contest. And he was offering, you know, uh, is a Lamborghini mm-hmm. and as a prize. And at the time, the number one bodybuilding prize in the world was a hundred thousand dollar, you know, for Mr. And Miss Olympia. And so he ended up coming up with a prize for anyone can enter the contest that was worth twice as much than the the biggest prize you could. Could you imagine, you know, starting like a football game on your own and offering a bigger prize than like the, the highest paid, you know, football player in the world? Yeah. You, I mean, just imagine that. Now, obviously, bodybuilding never got the recognition of any other big sports because it is sort of kind of freaky in a lot of ways. But that being said, um, you know, he came out with something which is a, pretty damn good idea. You know, that, that, that's an elegant idea in and of itself. 
in order to get people to enter his contest. And of course they would link to EAS and they would buy his supplements and they would read his stuff and, you know, but it, everything was, de- it was positioned and designed to sell supplements, right? Mm-hmm. Even though in the movie and in the documentary, there was little, there was hardly any mention of take this shake or do this. I mean, you saw EAS logos, you saw the company and everything, but it wasn't a pitch. I mean, it was a very well done documentary. And so he wanted as many people as he could get to watch this movie. Mm -hmm. And so he, you know, and I had recently sent out a interview I did with Gary Halbert to my whole list. Um, uh, not my whole list. I'm sorry. I'd sent out a letter about it to my list, which wasn't very big at the time. Uh, but we did a test to 1200 people. We mailed this letter. And this letter ended up, it was simply, you know, I want you to listen to this interview that I did with Gary Halbert. My challenge is I'm afraid if I send it to you for free, you're not going to place any value on it. And so I do want to send it to you for free. Uh, However, all I ask is that you make a donation of $20 to the uh, Phoenix Children's Hospital. And so we ended up raising about $7,000 for the Phoenix Children's Hospital, like really quickly. Mm -hmm. And Right during that time, I don't know, probably two weeks after I was in this, you know, fundraising thing where we'd raised, you know, about $7,000 at that point, I had, you know, I was doing my consulting with Bill and he was telling me about this documentary and I said, well, you know, why don't you offer to send this documentary to people for free if they'll make a donation to a children's charity, you know, either the Denver Children's Hospital or the Make-A-Wish Foundation. So he had done some stuff for Make-A-Wish in the past, and he ended up saying, yeah, it's a great idea. And so mm-hmm. he decided he would come up with a goal to raise, I think it was 100000 It might have been fifty, but I think it was $100,000 to the Make-A-Wish Foundation, and he basically ran an ad in uh, Muscle Media. And literally, I mean, it was just a matter of days, and they had raised over $100,000 for Make-A-Wish. And he sent the movie out to people for free, and he said, just simply make a donation. Mm-hmm. You know, And there was even a self-enclosed envelope. I still got the whole mail mailing and everything. I mean, I've got all of I still have every fax, every communication, every sales letter. I mean, everything that made that business, you know, work. Right. And, uh, you know, it, it just, ex- his business exploded. And, and overnight, you know, he went from this hardcore bodybuilding magazine that was filled with profanity because, you know, it was, and he, and he saw that the real money and real readership and people entering the contest were not bodybuilders. They were everyday people that just wanted to get in shape. And I remember at the time, like 90% of his readership was male, but 50% of the people entering the contest were female. So he's like, wow, you know, I'm, you know, I'm really obviously appealing. So he, he completely shifted the whole magazine from a, you know, kind of a hardcore bodybuilding magazine to, you know, fitness for, in, in you know, with a heavy emphasis, obviously on lifting weights and strength mm-hmm. training, you know, but it, it very much. But that's where you get that whole body transformation idea. I mean, that's really what it is, right? People making transformations. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, 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 I, and I know that originally started with like, you know, on, on a cruise that they did with, uh, you know, Keith Klein, who I ended up having come in and speak at one of my seminars, real smart nutrition guy that I've not spoken with in years. But, but basically, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was uh, interesting and fascinating. So that, that, you know, that's an elegant idea, you know, the whole donate money to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And then Bill ended up becoming the largest, 
you know, the single uh, largest single individual contributor in, you know, in the hit in history for make a wish foundation and, you know, over 550 wishes granted, you know, and the average wish is, you know, 6,000 to $8,000. And it's, you know, that idea has raised, I mean, it's granted all those wishes and raised millions of dollars and created enormous branding for make a wish. It did wonders for Bill. And all of a sudden, you know, Bill was reaching people and getting letters from celebrities and I mean, all kinds of stuff. I mean, even, you know, Jerry Seinfeld, uh, you know, a few years ago, his wife wanted to, Jerry Seinfeld's wife wanted to do something cool for Jerry Seinfeld. So, you know, contacted Bill and said, yeah, will you, you know, teach him training and stuff. So, mm. you know, a birthday present for Jerry Seinfeld was, to, you know, get training from Bill Phillips. And so, you know, Jerry, you know, met up with Bill in LA and, you know, worked out. And so that sort of stuff. But he he ended up selling the company for you know three hundred million dollars in nineteen ninety nine, and uh, and I don't think any of that would have happened the way it did had it not been for leveraging, you know, that and you know, some idea. very elegant yeah. ideas. An idea, but, but it was all the idea. And see, yeah. there was a ton of other people competing with similar products. You know, I mean, a massively competitive marketplace of protein powders and supplements and creatine and all kinds of stuff at the time. And he just had better ideas on how to, how to sell it. And, you know, it it was funny because the the first time, uh, you know, the first time I had done consulting with Bill, I was charging $3,850 a day. Uh, I charge more than that an hour now. And, um, the, the funny thing was, is like, I gave him one idea within the first hour of consulting with him to do a sequential mailing of yeah, a very successful we letter about that he had on uh, one on yeah. one of the episodes. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't, I can't remember what episode we talked about that on, but yeah, it, it, he ended up bringing in an additional three million dollars from a campaign that only would have done two million in revenue had we not had that conversation. Mm-hmm. And I gave him an idea that didn't require him to even write a new letter; it just required him to mail the letter two more times with handwritten copy in the margin notes. Why don't you share it that real quick so that sometimes if somebody hasn't heard it, just give like the 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 general uh, idea. Okay, well, it's basically a three-step letter, and I had asked Bill if he'd ever heard of sequential mailings. He's like, yeah, and I'm like, well, do you do them? And he's like, well, no, not really. I mean, he would do follow-up mailings, and he would relentlessly mail his list, which any smart person does as long as, you know, it's like the time to quit going back to the well is when you put the bucket down in the well and you pull it up and the water comes back out. So as long as you're getting water out of the well, keep dipping the bucket down in the well. It's like as long as you're catching fish, keep fishing, keep throwing (laughs) out the hook. So he was already a smart you know, I mean, Bill was, you know, very, you know, very savvy when it came to marketing and he just got it. I mean, he read Ted Nicholas and, you know, Gary Halbert and he would hire copywriters and he, I mean, he became a phenomenal copywriter himself, you know, so he was already a very smart marketer, you know, but again, he, he was smart enough to say, well, I don't know it all. How else can I improve an already killer business? I mean, he was making millions and basically, um, you know, we, we sat down and talked and I, he showed me this letter and, and it was, uh, I mean, do you want me to explain the whole letter? Yeah, just yeah, I think, I think that, just to share the idea. Okay, well, so he, he showed me this letter and it was like, he had these EAS big semi-trucks that were lettered EAS. And the, the letter basically had a picture of three semi-trucks and it said, you know, uh, the story as it goes that I, from, I can remember 
was, you know, I've, I have, um, I have, uh, you know, a, a ship, a warehouse full of, um, Myoplex, which was one of their shakes that they were selling. And, uh, unbeknownst to, you know, me and my general manager, he ordered a shipment. I ordered a shipment. Now we've got so much of it that, you know, we have it out in semi trucks from the manufacturer and we need to, you know, sell it because we don't have any room in the warehouse. So 40% off. And so he had sent out this letter and he, he sat down with me, he said, you know, Joe, I've got a hundred people working for me, but I'm the marketing department. I don't have anyone that could write copy like this. And he shows me the letter and he's like, and I need more copy like this. And I said, well, that's when I asked him, have you, do you, have you ever done three-step letters? <laughs> he's like, no, you've heard of them. Yeah. But I'm like, well, can I write on this letter? And he's like, yeah. So, uh, the letter had already sold $2 million worth of stuff. I mean, he had a big list, but you know, we're talking, he was moving tons of product. This was a 20 at the time they were open 24 hours a day. It's unfortunate they sold it because man, if people could have experienced the way that company was run back then, it was insane. <laughs> um, they were a machine. <laughs> they had this beautiful building with a theater and a gym. And I mean, it was, it was crazy. And, uh, it's nice when you have tons of money coming into your company. It's, you can spend a lot. And so, um, basically, um, isn't it funny, Dean, how it takes me like 10 minutes to explain something I should be able to say? Exactly. Two minutes? You know, I'm just okay. rambling here. It probably right, would have been so, a better idea to have me explain it for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, I wrote an X through one of the trucks, and I said, okay, you know, dear friends, send this letter to you, you know, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, still haven't heard from you, you know, please, uh, you know, contact us, you know, you'll still get this for 40% off. And, and I said, so what you do is you send this letter out a second time with just these handwritten margin notes. And I, you know, what I wrote there, I said, you just rewrite this. So it is said exactly the way you want it. And, you know, basically do that. And so, and then I said, and then, after you send that, if, if you get orders from this, from you send it to everyone on the list minus the people that have already ordered. So you go back to the list where you haven't got an order from, and you mail it to those people, second notice. And then after that, two weeks later, a month later, third and final notice. We've sent this letter to you twice, haven't heard from you, last opportunity to get 40% off. And so he mailed that letter two more times with handwritten margin notes, and it brought in an additional $3 million in sales. And had he only mailed that letter once and then said, Joe, I need someone else to write copy like this, and then you try to find someone to write new copy, and then it takes longer to get the letter. Right. It's like, there's the idea. Hey, let's just scratch this one up and mail it again. Yeah. And, and I have his <laughs> most successful sales letter in history. And if I was actually in the fitness or sports supplement industry, anything like that, I have got the greatest blueprint of how to actually sell stuff imaginable in, in almost all of it, at least the stuff I have, I actually consulted on and, you know, thought through how do you package this stuff? You know, I mean, I remember giving him, you know, lots of ideas on mm -hmm. stuff, running free recorded messages with all the contest winners, the physique transformation winners, to, where they would record a message explaining what supplements they took and people that were fans of, you know, these winners could call and listen and hear the person they admired the most explaining exactly how they did it. And of course, what does this do for EAS? They're, they're hearing all of these winners explaining yeah, here's, I took, you know, Betagen, I took Myoplex, I, you know, I, all, all the different stuff they had. And 
the people call up EAS and well, I want what this person was saying. Right. I want yeah, this exactly. Because you know. I think that's it, it, the magic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the people would say, yeah. you know, well, I lifted weights X number of days per week, but the people want the magic pill. You know, they yeah. what are the supplements they're taking? Yeah. And so it was. Uh, but even you know, even old issues of Muscle Media magazine. I mean, great ads and uh, another elegant idea. I'll give you this one too. Bill would run image ads in competitive magazines that he proved would not work in his own magazine. That would that they would not get any response from. So he would purposely spend money in other magazines where the ads failed so that his competitors would see him in these big magazines and then they would spend a fortune knocking off an ad that didn't work in his marketplace so he would purposely confuse his competitors. That's an elegant idea. That's perfect. We have an inner office thing called the competition castration action plan when you're having to deal with people that knock you off and are complete scumbag competitors and you know, that sort of thing. Because there's one thing about being a, you know, a decent competitor, and there's another thing about just flat-out thievery. And, I mean, you know, and, and one of the things that people don't know about, like guys like me and you, when you have tons of people that listen to your stuff, buy your stuff, almost weekly you have to send out cease and desist letters yeah. and deal with people that are uploading your content on right, websites. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's an endless amount of you know, there's 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 the world has no shortage of of stupid unethical people you want to hear a good idea yes because i'm done babbling yeah here's the thing this would be a good idea is uh while we're talking here i just got a text from frank kern the only <laughs> he thing he called is, me earlier today too Can well, you believe it? he's trying the he's only trying to thing it my... says in the text is mood music and there's an attachment wouldn't it be a good idea just to play this live right now and hear what kind of mood what music Frank Kern is sending me? What what did it say? Mood music. Mood music. I yeah. thought you said nude no, music. No, no. Mood music. All right. I hope the transcriber doesn't get this. And what's the deal with the transcriptions, Dean? Well, Sandy's been on uh, vacation. She's catching up. She's catching up. We'll have them all. All right. Uh, so for all of our listeners out here that, that like like reading transcripts, I apologize. The transcript thing and typos and all that, it's, that's Dean's fault. Here we go. So I'm going to okay. play this. Listen to see what Frank it is. Kern, go ahead. You may have to hear my half of the recording to hear it, but let's just play it and see. Okay, wait. Is well, that him singing? I can barely that was that. him singing. All right, hold on a minute. I'm gonna call him. <laughs> let's let's call Frank Kern on. Uh, let's call him on the phone. Let me see if he answers. He probably won't answer. Let me see here. But you keep talking. I'll, I'll keep talking. But yeah. that's kind of he'll do that just like out of the blue. He'll send the craziest pictures or uh, just funny stuff. That's a good idea. Let's see. So. I'm going to take it off speaker, though, because you never know what he's going to say. No, he... Is this Frank? Yeah, this is really good, though. Yes, I am here. You're on speakerphone, Frank. Do not use profanity. I'm here with Dean Jackson. We're recording a live episode of I Love Marketing, and he just played over the airwaves, you singing You Got What You Need or whatever. 
say we, you know. He, he does have what I need. The fact of the matter is, Dean Jackson does have what I need, and he does say he's just a friend, and I suspect that things are different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so basically, the only purpose I'm calling you is we needed a little bit of fodder for our I Love Marketing episode to put it. So, can you sing it from your end live, and then I'm going to hang up with you, and so we can finish this episode? Go ahead. No, no, he already did that. I'm trying to. We're trying to do like an encore. Is, can you sing anything up? You're out of stuff to talk about on the podcast, and you're trying to trick them into thinking that they're getting some sort of value. It, that's that's exactly what's going on here. Classic. This is totally all right, Frank. You are a, a prince of a guy. I love it. Yeah, you're, 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 that, that was hot. I am. I am literally. I'm excited here right now. <laughs> we got uh, a, a awesome. live performance awesome. by Frank right. Kern right uh, here on la- the podcast. La- last thing, Frank. What What are your most influential books that you've ever read? They could be marketing. They could be anything. Just a couple of them. I know it's stu- it's a stupid question. There's probably like a hundred of them. But what are a couple of your favorites? Yes. Very all good. All fantastic. Well, awesome, dude. Well, hey. Okay. Perfect. All right, D- uh, Dean, is there anything you need to say to Frank? Or are you good? I got what you need, baby. He's got what you need. All right. Awesome. Thank you, Frank. Hey, you let him know that I ain't even know they made. That's exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> you'll hear you'll hear that you'll hear that we're gonna send you this when you're done and you're gonna send uh-huh. it out to your whole list. And this is perfect. All right, come on, all right thanks, hey, dude. You know, that, that was a better idea that just, that, like, yes. exponentially improved our execution of delivering yes, because, an entertaining podcast added, week after week after week. There you go. But you know what made that idea happen? You know what made that idea really pop for us? Execution. Well, execution, but you know what it was? Is Rapport. We have a connection. With Frank Kern. Right. And, you know, I mean, we, if, if you think about it, like, I think that, you know, when, um, you know, we could become known here for like Peter Drucker's idea of marketing and innovation. I think that, you know, if we were to really think our two biggest things would be ideas and connections. 
<laughs> no, it, it, I mean it's a shortcut, yes. isn't it? Yeah, well, totally. No, connections are always a shortcut. So we should we should spend the remainder of time, which we don't have a ton of time, but we should be talking about the power of that. Yeah, because that's one of the things you had mentioned that you wanted to. Yeah, well, I think I mean we... I really we were talking about it. You know that that's really the um, it's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So explain why. Why is it a big deal? Well, it's a big deal to have on speed dial the people who can, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's fun to have a relationship with Frank Kern, for instance, and to have him on speed dial and to have rapport with him and to be able to, um, have that kind of relationship and rapport with somebody who has the ability to execute an idea that you have is priceless. Yeah. Totally. I mean, to be able to connect with, <clears throat> to connect people. I mean, you know, we, you think about the, um, and I've been with you so many times when this has happened that, you know, you will be in the car and somebody will call in and then we'll end up doing a three-way call with somebody else, you know? And right. so, and, I mean, well, I think about, I think about David Bach and, 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 um, Kiyosaki. Yeah. Kiyosaki. That, that, I mean, maybe tell that story because it's a, it's a perfect example. Yeah, so I'm driving with who was in the car with me? Do you remember? I do not. Yeah. Well, I mean, other day. But David was in the car. Yeah. Yeah. No, David was in the car, and so I'm. He's in Phoenix, and we're down there visiting and stuff. And uh, you know, I'm like, how well do you know Kiyosaki? You know, Robert Kiyosaki, because these were two at the time the top financial authors of the last decade. You know, both of them. Yeah. And uh, they had sold the most books and stuff. And I don't know where Susie Orman was around that time or whatever, but, you know, these were like the top guys. And uh, and they didn't know I each other. Yeah, well, they, they had been like, right. I think, on a show or something where they're both guests at different times. I, I can't even remember. But I was like, you know, and, and David made this comment like, yeah, you know, I have to talk to, to Robert at some point. And so I was like, why don't we do that right now? So I call up Robert Kiyosaki and he answers and say, Hey, what's up? You know? And cause I've known Robert, you know, long before rich dad, poor dad. And, um, and he, he'd even, and I don't remember this story at all, but Robert always, you know, brings it up to me that, you know, he, he had called me because he wanted help with their board game cash flow, And mm-hmm. I had like completely blown him off and said, I don't have time and I'm not interested or whatever. And he, I mean, I don't recall that conversation at all, but he swears that I just blew him off completely. But anyway, so, um, I was like, yeah, Hey, you know, Robert, I'm here with uh, David Bach and, uh, you know, why don't you guys chat? And so I hand the phone over to Dave and to proceed to drive to wherever the hell we were going. I can't even remember. And him and Robert like completely have this whole long conversation and set things up and everything. And I thought it was totally hysterical. It's like, here's the two number one financial advisors uh, or financial guys that are authors and stuff, trainers. And uh, it takes me to just make a cell phone and hand the phone to, to David and so yeah. they can talk to each other. It was, but there's like, I could, I've done that probably like 5,000 times. What do you think the most valuable connection that you've made for somebody has, has been? Oh my God. Um, it probably wouldn't be money making. No, I think no. it's probably, it's probably people that, uh, have had a family member that was, uh, 
had an addiction and I connected them with, you know, people that would help get them into 12 step groups or help them with, uh, treatment. It was, it's probably more personal situations in terms of what I would say really be helpful because I think, uh, in a lot of ways that helps save families and save lives mm-hmm. in terms of, uh, Oh boy, that's a, that's an interesting one. Because when you think about it, I know, like, you think about why do people, you know, we've talked about this before, but you've got the highest level mastermind group in the world for direct response marketers in your 25K club group. Yeah. And um, you, you think about why would people at that level, people who all make more than a million dollars a year, who are all uh, successful entrepreneurs, why would they be paying $25,000 to come, you know, meet with you and and each other three times a year? Uh, you know, I mean, I think in a lot of ways, the same reason they're successful financially in the first place is they don't look at it as pain. Right. They look at it exactly. as investing. They, they, they don't, they don't, they're willing to trade a minuscule amount of money in the scheme of things because they know the participation in 25K is going to be a multiplier. And they don't say, well, I'm going to spend $25,000. They're like, you know, what's this $25,000 going to do for me? Not just for my money, but what's it going to do for my, you know, they're wanting, it's the difference between a treadmill entrepreneur and a ladder entrepreneur, you know, which is something I heard Dan Sullivan say. And yes, we mentioned it. I don't know if we mentioned Dan Sullivan yet, so we got to stick to our, uh, but you know, you can be a treadmill entrepreneur and you can keep running and you can keep working and you you may not go very far. You might get worn out or, uh, but you'd be a ladder entrepreneur And the people pay 25 K because they know those relationships are going to escalate them. Mm -hmm. People thought I was crazy when I paid Richard Branson's uh, foundation uh, $200,000 for the first presentation that he gave uh, via satellite for me um, in 2007, you know, after I had dinner with him in 2006. Uh, But look at how I leveraged and parlayed that relationship, not only for myself and for many of the people I've introduced to Richard, but for his foundation because I raised more money for his foundation than any other individual. And so basically, you know, the reason people join 25 K is they want not just good connections because most of these people already have great ideas and great connections, but they're looking for elegant ideas, better ideas, multipliers, and they're looking for the greatest relationships. They are people that want to be industry transformers or already are industry transformers and want to be the best in their field. So they come to 25 K, which is, um, thank you for the plug. And it's the same reason, like, like why, you know, cause people will think, oh, well, you know, I can just listen to, I love marketing, you know, which you could. And actually that's a very smart thing to do. We highly recommend it. We, we aren't doing this because we don't want people to listen to it. We obviously want people to listen to it. And if you really want to accelerate the speed at which you take these ideas and more immerse yourself in it deeper. You know, come to our conference that we're doing in October. You know, if you're interested in 25K, go to, you know, uh, the time this podcast is going out, see the event I'm doing in New York. Go to 25kgroup.com forward slash NY is in New York and see, you know, we've got Steve Forbes and Ariana Huffington and Peter Diamandis who are doing this with. It'll be an abundance slash 
Genius Network Mastermind. So I'm joining forces with Peter this year. We're really theming it around abundance, exponential thinking, um, and and you know great ideas. And we're we're having people give 10 minute talks that are each 10 minutes is worth two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So that each idea each minute is uh, focused on being worth at least twenty five thousand dollars in value. And the reason I say that is because the people are going to be sharing current best practices that they're doing or have done that have been worth at least a minimum of a quarter million dollars to their business. And they're going to explain what they're doing and how the people in attendance can do it too. And so we're charging $10,000 for that. And a lot of people for, for two days and people are like, well, $10,000, we, you know, if it, this ain't a seminar. Okay. This is like the <laughs> highest. <laughs> this ain't a seminar. Yeah. I mean, and seminars are great if you go to the right ones. I, I, right. I go to seminars all the time. I love seminars. I just I hate too. seminars that are shitty seminars. Right. And so, you know, this is a very hot, you know, we got Tim Ferriss there. We got Mark Thompson. We got you. We got Dean Graziosi. We've got, you know, Mary Ellen Tribby, uh, Robin Robbins. Oh, and this year I also need to mention too, we've got John, at our conference in October, October 3rd, 4th, and 5th, and people can get information about our I Love Marketing conference at ilovemarketing.com. We've got John Benson, the brilliant, crazy, you know, evil genius uh, that invented the ugly video sales letter, and we've got our dear friend Marie Folio, who is, uh, you know, going to come exciting. and present. Yeah, Marie's great. And so, um, and Lou Ferrigno, the Incredible Hulk. But yeah, well, the, the reason the reason people like go to twenty five k is they are there for the ideas, which goes to the whole theme of what we are talking about. The smartest people in the world fish for ideas, mm-hmm. and they go to who you know has the best ideas, mm-hmm. and it's a faster way for them to to do really condensed discovery and learning. You know, by going and hearing a ten minute talk by a person who's not theoretically talking about something, you know, cause the same, same too, like Ted is brilliant. I love Ted and Ted has yeah. ideas worth spreading. And what I'm doing at 25 K with the 10 minute talks is ideas worth using. Right. And so I want people to actually use the ideas. Um, and the only way they're going to know what is the very best ideas is asking the very best people who are the industry transformers to share their very best you know, ideas in the context of how we're doing it. And it's been working like a charm and, you know, there we go. That's awesome. And yeah. And I can't uh, wait. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be badass. So, mm-hmm. um, yes, yes. 25kgroup.com forward slash NY. And, you know, even if you don't qualify, even if you're not someone that makes over a million bucks a year, go, you know, look at how, look at how we do it. I mean, you know, use that as an aspiration to build and, you know, grow your company because, you know, that's the same thing I did. Um, I, you know, I still, uh, constantly, I think an elegant idea is whatever works to motivate you to get to a bigger place, a a bigger future, whatever inspires you. If it's going to certain places, if it's window shopping, if it's hanging around certain people, if it's going to inspirational talks, I mean, whatever it is that will, you know, get you inspired, you know, can keep yourself continually in a state of inspirement. You know, I remember one person, you know, years ago had like, Joe, you've read all these books. You do all this stuff. Why do you keep listening to all these things? And, you know, it's simple. It's, it keeps me inspired. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And, and so I, I'm, I'm all about inspiration. And, and smart people 
are willing to pay for inspiration and, you know, get out of the house and go meet people. <laughs> you know, get out of the like, house. No, if you're, if you're are, like an internet marketer, I mean, like people, yeah. I mean, people literally, they're, you know. Get out of the chat like, room. Yeah. Yeah. Alone together. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's so much. See some uh, real faces. Yeah, we're going to do. I'm going to ask Ned Hollowell, our, who's also speaking in New York. He's the top ADD, ADHD psychiatrist in the world. I'm going to ask him to do an I Love Marketing episode. He's not per se like yeah. a marketer, but he has no. But such I think a, that's. I think that's an incredible uh, idea because you know we've we talked about that. Actually, we talked about it today. Having him on <laughs> that that's the. Uh, I think it, it's totally appropriate because entrepreneurs you know, have the highest, um, propensity to be, uh, ADD. If you, if you heard his, um, interview in success magazine, it was, yeah, yeah, it's great. It, it's really great. And he, he's just a, the guy's a genius and he's really onto something. And, uh, he was talking about stuff about the craziness of like, by the time someone listens to this episode, I don't know if it'll be off the, you know, magazine racks or whatever, but pick up the copy of, um, Newsweek that has I crazy on the cover. I crazy where it talks about how literally internet addiction. I mean, I've always been fascinated with the subject of, you know, addiction in general, but, um, you know, a couple of things in, in just the craziness of, you know, crazy busy by Ned Hollowell, brilliant book. I mean, he, he was writing, he was 10 years ahead of his time when he wrote that book. And that book wasn't written too long ago, but it's written probably about five years ago. And, um, you know, Nightingale Conant sells uh, the Crazy Busy um, course. Uh, I have a course called Success with Sanity that I did with um, Ned and Marie Folio and Dr. Nathaniel Brandon, the brilliant self-esteem, you know, psychologist, uh, things like that. But, uh, yeah, but stay connected. The point is stay connected with the best people in the world. The reason we call it Genius Network is people can go out and network and have a bunch of friends on Facebook and know a bunch of people that are following them in every sort of social media platform. The real thing that matters, though, I mean, a handful, you know, count on one hand how many people, if you absolutely needed $25,000, no question asked, could you call right now and say, I really need it, you know, I need twenty-five grand. you know, for whatever reason. You wouldn't even need to give an explanation. You know, how many people, most people couldn't count on one hand the amount of people in their lives that, that, that would do that. And if you don't have anyone. I would do that for you, Joe, just so you I know, if it, ever, so. if it ever comes down to it. Uh, I'm going to call you tomorrow. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, I said, the DD said it publicly. I, I, I need you to send me 25 grand. Mm-hmm. But um, no, ba- basically, though, if, if you don't have those sort of relationships, like start thinking about and a really elegant idea is how do I add enough value in the world to where, you know, that exists for me, not just with money, but with anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's what a genius network is. It's where you can really tap into it. And that's why, and, and the beauty is you can pay to actually develop these sort of things. Not, and not even like you could, like you, it's just, why would you even question it? I mean, I've always loved Dan Sullivan's thing. If you have enough money to solve the problem, you don't have a problem. If you have some area in your life that's not handled, but you can cut a check and the cutting of a check will help get it handled because you have a health condition or you have a relationship thing, you know, I mean, if, you know, if you're not feeling good, pay money to Talk to someone that will talk to you about it. You know, mm-hmm. join a gym. 
Go do something fun. Get a massage. Take a day off. You know, that sort of stuff. Get out of the mm. house. There Come to 25K. <laughs> Dot com. And, yeah, and, and if someone wants to send you cards or gifts, Dean, how do they send stuff to you? Because I get tons of stuff sent to me all the time because, you know, my address is at joepolish.com and people send me letters and nice cards and they send things that people send me stuff for you and then it costs me extra shipping and handling because then I need to send it to you. And you see how so, that is? Why don't we put so both of our addresses? I'm going to put up. We'll put up a uh, we'll put up an address in the on I Love Marketing for uh, for gifts and stuff, especially. You know, it'd be really awesome if we put up our Amazon wish list up there. Perfect. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> we should. That's great. You know the, the problem. That is see now there, you Joe. I just had I just had like an execution idea how to solve an executional thing. Let's just right. put our addresses up on Isle of Marketing, and then you came along with the better idea, the idea of putting our Amazon wish list right up there on the list. Yes, yes, that's exactly. fan, that's brilliant, genius. <laughs> awesome. I think we're out of time now. So to okay, that's our, enough. To, to all of our listeners, at least I'll I'll say this as a wrap up. Hopefully this just simply made you think about ideas versus execution. The reality is they're both important. You need to execute, but, in the big but, one elegant idea is worth more than a thousand semi-good ideas. And the best way to improve flawless execution, as Dean said, is just a better idea. And hopefully you're getting tons of these better ideas just by listening to I Love Marketing and being connected with it. And a really good idea would be for you, everyone listening, to, to post this episode on your Facebook page or tweet it out or send it to your email list. We would be internally grateful. And for everyone that's running an I Love Marketing meetup group, we want to also acknowledge all of you for the great work that you're doing because somewhere in the world, almost daily, something like 100 people are meeting talking about I Love Marketing and it's awesome. And I think a year from now, hopefully that'll be you know, several hundred, if not a thousand people, you know, meeting and talking about I Love Marketing and using this as a catalyst for people that are entrepreneurs going out there doing good stuff and, you know, being better packagers, promoters, and marketers because the art of marketing is awesome. Love it. Okay. Well said. Good. Because I know. Let's I'm just leave it at that. Right. Okay. We good done. night. Good night, everyone.